Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, a business owner, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. And this time we have a nice local episode in San Diego. Well, what? Well, local for me, not for you. Yeah, lo- well, the topic's <laughs> local. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. It's about this issue that's going online with San Diego Magazine. But I'll let, I'll let Matt introduce it. He said he has some hot takes on it. I'm not sure what a hot take is, but I do have some takes as well. So San Diego Magazine, they published their September issue. On the front it says, Hidden San Diego. So it's all these secret things to do and see. And kind of want to see where some of these things are. But I'll have to, I'll have to buy the issue, I guess. Or maybe I won't. I don't know if I'm going to if I'm going to protest what they've done. But apparently there is a, was this a blog, I think is what it is? I should probably know this. Yeah, it's a, it's a blog or it's a website. I guess I didn't go to the website, which I probably should have. But so there's a yeah, woman who has a, they called her, they called her a blogger. So I figured she just had a website slash blog, but it's also called Hidden San Diego. And so now this issue came out and she's very upset because she's claiming that the magazine essentially stole her idea. She's been doing this for four years, according to her. And now she's, you know, basically had her ideas stolen, all her hard work. So this happens. She posts something on Facebook. There's actually a pretty big backlash against San Diego Magazine. I guess she had a lot of people on her side. And then San Diego Magazine posts a response to about a story they allegedly stole, which I guess it's not even really a story they stole. I think it's more of an idea. But the response, we'll we'll have to link the response so people can read it. But the response is, is pretty poor, in my opinion. It's really belittling the the blogger and this is where I'm torn I guess is the facts are I think in favor of San Diego magazine if everything's true based on what they say they just did it in the worst you know one of the worst ways possible like they could have handled this with a lot a lot more tact and and come off a lot more professionally I'm looking at hiddensandiego.net so it looks like they, they this is a well-developed site I mean there's a lot of content it's not necessarily the best design site but it seems like a lot of people do read it and let's see, it is a blog, I guess. And it looks like the last, last post was on October 26th, 2014. So a couple of months still. But did you already talk about how San Diego Magazine, they actually filed a trademark for Hidden oh, San yeah. Diego. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much the issue. That was probably like the most important part of it. Sorry. That's okay. I thought I mentioned that for some reason. So this is, this is a trademark dispute. And so what San Diego Magazine did, I think, uh, as far as we know, all they did right now is file a trademark and, and they have one issue about hidden spots in San Diego. And the response, like Matt said, it's it's a little, it's not really well written, which is unusual for a publication of this this kind. And it does seem kind of petty, but nonetheless, they do make some arguments that are pretty compelling from a legal perspective. So first of all, this blogger did not trademark the term San Diego hidden spot or hidden hidden San Diego as far as I know, as far as from what she's published online. Second is Secret San Diego, first of all, it's it's not necessarily an original an idea. 
I mean, there, I think every city has secret spots or whatever. And how do you steal that idea when it's pretty obvious? And frankly, ideas are not under any kind of protection. That's why you have trademarks. That's why you have copyright and so forth. It's what's interesting. If you read the comments under the article, the Facebook comments, it seems like people in general are overwhelmingly in support of the blogger. And maybe it's just kind of what I've read. And obviously there's a little bit more of a online culture in favor of the blogger and the victim here. But I'm trying to figure out if San Diego Magazine actually did anything morally wrong either. What do you think? Uh, well, I was going to follow up with something you just said. Just to follow up with you, there's two trademarks that have been filed. The first was September 12th of this year by San Diego Magazine, and then okay. September 24th by this this blogger. So okay. two weeks later, she did file. Hers is for a website featuring blah, blah, blah. And I'm assuming San Diego Magazine is for a magazine. Yes. So so I already know that a few attorneys in San Diego have approached her, and I'm sure one of them has been retained to, to handle this. So I'm sure she's going to be taken care of from that perspective. And, and here's another thing is San Diego Magazine, they filed their trademark under a magazine class as far as the description goes, which I'm not sure how this blogger did hers. That's what, that's what I just said. <laughs> Yeah, hers is a different class, and it's for providing a website featuring articles, videos, and blogs about parks, businesses, tourist attractions, tourist information. Oh, okay. That, that, that makes more sense. I, I was worried for a second that she would go too broad, and then it would obviously be in conflict with the, this other trademark. But back to my question, I mean... Morally wrong, yeah. Yeah, morally wrong. What do you think? I can only base it on what I've seen in terms of what's been posted on these things here. So if you look at San Diego Magazine's response, although poor, if everything here is true, then I'm leaning a little bit towards them because it looks like they did try to email her. Yeah, and I think she even admitted that, you know, she just didn't have time to get back to the email. They they reached out and emailed her, said they would like to interview her for an upcoming issue about this secret San Diego. That's another thing, too, to keep in mind is originally it was secret san diego and then they ended up changing it to hidden san diego which is the exact name it's also hidden san diego.net and not com there's also a com which apparently has been around for nine years and it's a wiki so again like is, is it original idea i don't i don't know and one thing that is interesting okay if san diego magazine were to trademark the term outright and not only the magazine class but others then i can see it kind of being a little bit you know, it's kind of a jerkish a little bit. It's like, look, this is this is our town. Anyone can write about this stuff. And, and by you doing so, it really limits other people from providing this. And why should you have a monopoly on this issue? And writing about hidden spots in San Diego should, I don't, I don't think the term should actually be trademarkable. It's such a generic term to me that I think in every city it's like that. You know, I don't know. Another question, too, is I don't even understand why San Diego Magazine trademarked this in the first place. That's a good point. I would assume that maybe it's going to be like a yearly issue that they do, and they don't want other magazines doing the same thing. But again, it's like, why should San Diego Magazine have the monopoly on other magazines posting that, you know? And I wouldn't be surprised if there were other magazines that were to challenge it. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not a novel concept that's happened in a bunch of different cities, publications, et cetera. But another thing too, one of the things Hidden San Diego said was, you know, this is another issue. I'm trying to grow my, my site by them trademarking it. They're greatly inhibiting my aspirations. What if I wanted to take it to print? That's an idea I've definitely had. I'm wanting to write a book, for instance, 
now they're taking it away from me. It's like, well, if you wanted to do that, you have to have done it. <laughs> well, there, frankly, there already are other books on Amazon, Hidden San Diego, including Beaches, Hidden History, San Diego County. I'm not her attorney, but I don't think this trademark would be limiting that either. And remember that they have to actually enforce it. But the best thing that can happen to her blog is what's happening right now. That's that's the reality, right? I was I was just going to say that exact thing is like, this is actually probably the best thing that could have happened because so many more, I would have never known about this. I'm sure a lot, it's the same for a lot of people. They wouldn't have known. And I, I don't want to be hard on the blogger, but frankly, from a web development perspective, it is one of the worst blog sites <laughs> oh, I've seen gosh. in a while that's popular. And I'm sure they get a lot of, lot of visitors and so forth, but it's the fonts that I, you can't read and it's just a very old style kind of uh, thing. It looks like it's a free site made by Yola or whatever. I mean, but nonetheless, it's about content, right? So I'll, I'll excuse that for a second. But the point is, is that this is a great opportunity to, to uh, take advantage of, of all the publicity. You don't have to call out her website, but that's fine. I'm not calling out her website. <laughs> I am kind of a web programmer on the side. Yeah, so. you're, you're way more artistic than I am, so you appreciate the aesthetics more than me. I'm definitely not artistic. I like cool designs and art, but I'm definitely not artistic. That's for sure. Who's who's in the right here? It would have been an easy pick for me, San Diego Magazine, but that response is just so awful. And then the the woman who posted the the response went down in the comments and just like almost made it worse. <laughs> like continuing on. Oh, I it's saw like, that. Well, just- yeah, I saw that. That's true. Uh, I'm still probably going to side with San Diego Magazine, despite the poor response. We'll link this, right? We have to link to the response. And we'll also link the Facebook page, basically, so you can get both sides of the story. Okay, let's get to our boring legal questions. Yeah. I'm a sole proprietor. What is some good tax advice to reduce my year in profit? I'm going to defer to you on how to answer this, because I only know one answer is, actually, I know a couple. One is to increase expenses, and two is to reduce revenue. <laughs> reduce revenue? Yeah. I guess that's one way to do it. There's a really easy answer to this. I mean, there's a lot of answers, but the easiest answer is, so a lot of sole proprietors do things on a cash basis. I don't think even a lot of people know the cash versus accrual basis. So basically what that means is any revenue and any expenses are when you receive the money. So that's all that is. Accrual is different if you prepay for a year of something, you know, you divide it amongst the 12 months. And so it might be a little bit different. So if you prepay for something in June. Yeah. And that works for expenses too, of course. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you prepay for something in June, then, you know, you're only getting, or July for a year, you only get six months for that year, you know, blah, blah, blah. So pretty much every sole proprietor is going to be a cash based, I would think. So the easiest thing to do is, you know, if it's getting close to the end of the year and you want to reduce your, your taxes, just buy a bunch of things at the end of the year that you'll need for 2015. And that way you can just, you'll have a reduced bottom line for this year. The only problem is, I guess you'll you'll probably have to do the same thing for next year too, if that's the case. So you're just going to be constantly buying things in advance until you, till the business is done. Uh, This is, I'm in December now. This is for uh, 2017. I need a new computer. So better pay for it now. And I don't really do too much tax preparation or even that much tax planning, but for, for people, well, for me, I do, but for, um, for other people. And so I'll usually have a couple people contact me at the end of the year and they'll be like, tell me some things to do last minute where I can, you know, not pay my tax. And that's, you know, like I said, my advice works, but at the same time, you're just going to have to do the same thing next year. The advice only makes sense if you're going to make less money next year. And yeah. 
people worry about taxes way more than they actually should. Like people just spend so much time trying to reduce the bottom line and it's like, well, it's going to come out to about the same. I mean, there's obviously huge things you can do, but I have a different view. And, and, you know, tax planning at the end of the year, only companies and individuals that make quite a bit of money really seem to have big differences depending upon how it's done, you know? And yeah, if you're buying like a helicopter and that's, you know, $20 million and you got to figure out how, what form of depreciation to use, then yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot different. But if you're a normal business and you're buying, you know, you have rent, supplies, utilities, things like that. It's There's only so many things you can do. Yeah, it's not going to make a huge dent in what you do. I guess if you have inventory, you can do different inventory techniques like LIFO and FIFO and weighted average, but that's well beyond the scope of this podcast. Yeah, you just lost everyone. Everyone just turned off the podcast just now. <laughs> They're like, what is going on? I'm stopping it. In fact, no one's hearing me right now. It's just you and I. That's fine. You can Maybe you can just make fun of more people's websites now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the following websites are horrible. <laughs> Speaking of, make sure you go to our website, which is poshalaw.com. All of our podcast posts are now from LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. They're all posted on our Pasha Law blog page. But it, it, you can go to LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. It'll redirect you to our podcast post accordingly. Or you can listen on iTunes if you just want to listen as oh, well. Oh, yeah. That's, that's no doubt the best way. Most easiest. Most easiest or most easy? Someone asked me last week what Pasha Law meant. I was like, I don't even know how to answer that. That's a... <laughs> Someone who knew who you were too. I was like, uh, can't figure it out there. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very old term dating <laughs> back to medieval times. <laughs> Just so you know, it's my last name and law together. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.